research shows that even a 10% increase in public funding for higher education boosts completion rates by nearly 15%. That's why we'll keep working so hard so that community colleges have the resources they need so that students can achieve their goals. This is In the Know with ACCT, the voice of community college leaders. I'm Jacob Bray. This episode of In the Know features Secretary of Education Miguel Cardona's address to community college leaders at the 2022 National Legislative Summit. Secretary Cardona has a long history of advocating for public education and community colleges. He is an inspiring leader, and I think you'll enjoy what he has to say. This episode also features a Q&A with Secretary Cardona, moderated by ACCT Chair-Elect Rose Benavidez. It's great to be together. I want to thank you all for bringing your best, bringing your best each day, and especially during this challenging time. And I know the First Lady was here this morning and got you all going, yes? And I have to follow her, so just bear with me, please. Um, the reality is we all know that having as the most trusted advisor to the president, someone that understands the work that you do, there's nothing better. That's why it's our moment. It is our moment. Yes, leading during a pandemic is hard, but it is our moment. It's tested us, this pandemic, in ways that uh, we could never have imagined just two years ago. When you were sitting here two years ago, we knew what was coming on the horizon maybe, but we thought it might have been a two-week disruption, right? Two years later, we're still realizing the impact it's having. Yet, the leaders in this room not only have shown up, but you've stepped up. You're here because improving post-secondary education has never been more critical. Throughout this challenging time, your innovation, your flexibility and resilience have been awe-inspiring. Community colleges are one of the nation's best treasures, and people are recognizing that. And now is the time that we amplify that message. I'm serious, if, it, if not you, then who? If not you, then who? To amplify that message. They're engines of economic growth and social mobility. They open doors to provide opportunity. The name says it all, community. And I've been fortunate, really. It's really made this experience as Secretary of Education greater than I could have imagined. The visits that I've had at community colleges where I see signs of recovery in our country when community colleges share what they're doing to lift students and bring them back. While some colleges may prioritize chasing each other's college rankings and wooing affluent students from elite high schools, community colleges are doing real work to build pathways to good jobs and lifelong careers for all. Education and training in community college is such an important piece of our students' path to higher paying, stable jobs. You know, research shows that only 20% of today's high school graduates get good jobs directly out of high school. Just 20%. That's why I'm really excited about initiatives like community college industry partnerships. These partnerships connect students to local businesses, to chambers of commerce, and other employers. They create pathways to even more high-demand jobs thanks to unprecedented investments by the Biden administration. In fact, bipartisan 
the bipartisan infrastructure law will add an average of 1.5 million jobs per year for the next 10 years. You are at the heart of that work to prepare our students. As you all know, an important gateway to rewarding and fulfilling careers is post-secondary education, both being able to afford and complete college. Research shows that even a 10% increase in public funding for higher education boosts completion rates by nearly 15%. That's why we'll keep working so hard so that community colleges have the resources they need so that students can achieve their goals. No student, no student, especially students who are first-generation college students, like I was, should ever wonder if they should apply for college or how to pay for it or whether they belong there. Since day one, this administration has been focused on giving students and families the support they need to afford college. For example, the American Rescue Plan set aside more than $10 billion for community college through the Higher Education Emergency Relief Fund, or HERF. Yeah, clap for that. You know, I'm gonna say something. We're educators, we're leaders, uh, we're trustees. We're focusing on solutions, but please, don't let this week go by without sharing the impact of those HERF dollars on the families that you serve. Make sure they hear you. Make sure they hear you. Everyone should know somebody by name in your community because you're sharing their stories. Like in Mississippi, two community colleges use her funds to offer up to 12 credits of free summer courses. And in New Jersey, Bergen County Community College used her, you hear? All right. <laughs> they got front row. So. <laughs> They worked really hard to subsidize on-campus childcare slots, removing barriers to learning for students who are parents. And I met one of those parents recently, and she was so thrilled about the opportunity to go back because the college did that. There's so many success stories. As I said before, I encourage you to share them with us. How many of you came here to DC with the story of someone who was helped based on the work that you're doing with Herf Dollars? Raise your hand, please. Raise your hand. Okay, please, I'm not gonna call you up, don't worry. I saw some hands go down, they were a little nervous. Please make sure, please make sure that as you're doing your advocacy, as you're having conversations, people get to know those stories. People have to understand that the American Rescue Plan funds, it's about people, it's about families. It's about people getting back on track. And you are the messengers of those stories today and this week. And there's even more we're doing to help bring college within reach for all. For example, to help students and their families compare the cost and values of degrees and certificates from colleges and universities, the department hosts a free online tool, the College Scorecard. Thank you. The Scorecard provides information about graduation rates, the typical debt burden for graduates, post-college salaries, repayment patterns, and more. Last year alone, the scorecard got over 1.6 million visits online. This is an invaluable tool to help students find the best, pit, best fit for their post-secondary success. And today, I'm pleased to announce that the department has enhanced and updated the college scorecard. You'll see, we updated information on debt burdens 
post-enrollment income for students. For the first time since 2018, the scorecard now has updated data about students' post-college earnings at an institution. And the scorecard once again features the share of students who are better off financially for having gone to a college. The scorecard is more than a tool for students. The data we publish and that other organizations use help shine a spotlight on colleges doing extraordinary work to ensure their students get all the way to graduation. Take Valencia College in, in Florida, which serves a majority of students of color. Valencia has dramatically narrowed equity gaps in their completion rates for Latino students and white students. California's De Anza College is narrowing gaps too. All right. <laughs> Hispanic and Asian students make up two out of three enrolled students and graduation rates for those student groups have also risen. Data from the scorecard gives us inspiration for the work that thousands of other colleges can do. But the Biden administration's commitment to supporting colleges doesn't stop there. The First Lady and I recently announced $198 million to support colleges and universities serving students with the greatest unmet needs related to the pandemic. And in this work, we're listening to you too. We know that you're dealing with enrollment issues or enrollment drops. So we're delivering uh, relief to student loan borrowers, improving aid processes, and strengthening loan service protections. We overhauled the public service loan forgiveness program, and we've canceled more than $15 billion in student loan debt in one year. One year. <clears throat> you know, it's really important that we address the root of the issue. While well, yes, it's important to talk about loan forgiveness and the challenges that uh, borrowers have now, we're serious about addressing the root of the issue. So five years from now, we're not in the same position. And we're proud of the work that we're doing to fix policies that were voted on but never enacted. In fact, they were, they were implemented in ways that didn't keep students at the center. We're going to change that. And in one year, we did more forgiveness than any other administration. And we're not done. We've also extended the pause on payments to help 41 million borrowers transition smoothly back to repayment. And that's saving borrowers $5 billion a month. And because the diversity and promise of our people is our greatest strength, the president has proposed expanding access and increasing funding for Pell Grants for students, which is critical too, including our dreamers. Porque ellos también se merecen la oportunidad, ¿verdad que sí? We've increased federal funding for institutions that serve high populations of students of color and, and students from low-income backgrounds, including our community colleges. We know the plan is ambitious, but as I said at the beginning, we know that this is our moment. It's our moment to remove more barriers so college is affordable to everyone. It's our moment to continue to champion college completion and double down our efforts that lead to more career success. It's our moment to unapologetically support inclusive institutions so every student feels welcome and valued. Together, with the same passion and the same urgency we've had over the last two years to safely reopen our schools, we're gonna make education 
the great equalizer we know it can be. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your work. Thank you. Thank you for those amazing comments, Secretary, and thank you for making time out of your busy schedule to join us. So we want to advise the audience that uh, the Secretary has been gracious enough to allow us about 20 minutes for question and answers from college leadership or students. This is not a press opportunity, so we'd ask uh, that you please use the same microphones that we used earlier today for questions. Please line up and we'll take one from the other. We'll ask that you keep your questions concise and that you refrain from follow-ups in order to give as many college leaders and students an opportunity to speak directly uh, to the secretary, which an opportunity may not present itself anytime soon. So um, having said that, we will begin with a question that I have for the secretary first, just to begin things off. Okay. Secretary, you shared some of this earlier, but one of the things that we'd like uh, to let our audience know is many are here for the first time to visit with elected officials yeah. on our congressional uh, offices, uh, agencies, Department of Labor, Department of Education. How would you advise them and, and what message would you think would resonate uh, as they're making these visits, whether it's in person or virtually? Thank you for that question. And, um, you know, I understand there are students in the room, too. Raise your hand if you're a student. Yes, let's give them a round of applause. <laughs> Let's, you know, I asked that for a reason. Let's remember who we serve. I, I love the fact that uh, many of you have students on your panels, on your boards. Um, we have to be driven by student voice. So my message to you is, yes, we're going to continue fighting for community colleges. Make sure that in at least every other sentence, you push uh, universal access for community colleges when you talk to folks on the Hill. Could you do that? But also share a story. You know, for me, I'm a father. I have a, a high school senior and a, and a sophomore. So all of them have family members that have been impacted by the pandemic. Bring a story that can help them understand how the, whether the ARP funds have helped or what you're trying to do and what you want to see and how that connects to the students you serve, to the families you serve, to the community. And please be explicit about the economic imperative in the support of community colleges. Okay, the moral imperative matters, but the economic imperative matters also. When I visited community colleges and I talked, about, I talked with leaders about how their community colleges are helping the economy, we, don't let that go by without them understanding that the decisions that they make are providing economic opportunities for their community and their state. So that's my message. Perfect, wonderful, wonderful advice. All right, and as you can see, we've already have a, a group of individuals that would like to address you. And we'll start with the, uh, with the first microphone here, sir. Uh, good, afternoon. good afternoon. My name is Joe Barreto. I'm a board member from Bergen Community College, Boricua from the Bronx, and I want to thank you. Eres un honor estar aquí con usted. Thank you. I want to bring up, um, we've been discussing the low-income students and, and having to take out loans and, and monies that's needed. Also, it's affected, especially in a county like Bergen, where parents lost their jobs. So kids that were in a, in a four-year institution, their parent passed away or their parent lost their job, now they want to continue. They need to be the ones that work for their families. 
And now they had to take on the burdens of taking loans that they never expected to take. And I think what's been great so far is having that extension given where people had time to, to pay back these loans. And I'm just gonna make an ask that if that can be extended, I know it expires in May, but if it can be extended for a couple of more months, because there are still people that aren't on their feet. There are people that have never been out of work and now they're out of work and they don't know what they're doing. And this is the only lifeline they have to have their kids continue to study, to have their kids continue to do the things and then take up the reins and, and run the family. So I'm just asking if we can make that push and get that done. I, I appreciate that, thank you. And thank you for the kind words at the beginning. Um, when I tell you to think of a story, a vignette, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it back. Bergen, wonderful visit. Kajia is who I remember the most. Nothing against you all, you're wonderful leaders. But I remember Kazia, she's a student there who said, my twins are now being taken care of because the school is providing childcare and I can continue on my dreams and I can continue uh, to follow my, my dreams. So I hear you and I appreciate what you do and I recognize that people are in, in a tough position right now. And part of the reason why we're, we extended it is because we realize, especially with Omicron, that people are still trying to get on their feet. Um, and we need to continue to hear stories. We need to try to make sense. The announcement that I made at Bergen was uh, $198 million to help universities that provide some of those basic needs so some of those folks could come back. So I appreciate that and we're gonna continue to advocate uh, based on what we're hearing from you. But let me just, thank you very much for that, but let me also say, as a country, we have to take a look at what opportunities lie in crisis. There are people who were not thinking about college two years ago that now might be listening. We've all heard about the great resignation, the great reshuffle, whatever you wanna call it. People are having epiphanies about what they wanna do. They wanna skill up. They wanna see what they can learn so they can change paths. Let's take this opportunity also, not, to, not only to address those we're, we've, we're losing and we're trying to get back, but there are a bunch of people out there that want to go back into school if approached the right way. And I know community colleges can get that done. Thank you. <laughs> Sir, in the back. Yes. Thank you so much for being with us at this important conference. My name is Frank Reyes, and I'm from the San Bernardino Community College District in Southern California. Southern California has 175 Hispanic-serving institutions alone in the state. We have over 600 Hispanic serving institutions throughout the country. I know that uh, for a fact that the administration is pushing for uh, monies for historically black colleges, which I think it's great, but do not forget Hispanic serving institutions. We educate all students, not only just the Hispanic, but also African American, Native Americans. I know that there's been a formula that is already calculated that. Uh, the historically black colleges are going to get uh, quite a bit of funding in terms of uh, capital finance, and they've done a wonderful job. Our communities also need it. So I understand, Mr. Secretary, you're going to be part of the de developing that formula for the $1.5 billion that is gonna be distributed for uh, capital finance. Our colleges, our libraries, our research uh, buildings need help. When you Calculate that formula. Please do not forget that Hispanic serving institutions educate a lot of all students. So please, I, I ask you to please be um, creative in, in doing that. Thank you for that uh, comment. And um, I, I certainly agree that uh, that has to be given a lot of uh, attention as well. And, and we have to continue to 
listen to folks like uh, that represent HSIs to make sure that we're hearing their needs as well. And we know at the department how important it is to support HSIs. Uh, I think 27% of uh, the population uh, is Latino and it's growing. Um, we have to make sure that we're supporting our HSIs and other institutions as well. But thank you for that comment and know that we are listening and we are uh, aware of the importance of HSIs in our country. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Secretary, well, welcome to the, the, the event that is near and dear to your heart. Uh, Reza Jafari from Chesapeake College. Uh, we have the largest and the fastest growing population in our state are the Latinos. And they're all coming to us well, not just to, for finding a job, but they want, they're here to create jobs. They want to create opportunities. Is there something that you can comment and help us to understand how the Department of Education, Department of Labor, and Commerce can work together, and they are already doing it some, so that collaboration and cooperation can help us to create centers of entrepreneurship and innovation in our colleges. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much for the question and for being here. Uh, you know, we have an opportunity, and, and it's not lost on us at the, in the administration, that we have to do better. Going back to how we led or how our agencies work together before the pandemic is not good enough. And I'll tell you, Secretary Walsh, Secretary Raimondo, and I have met several times already about how we can really shape what interagency work looks like. Uh, we're committed. We know the uh, Build Back Better has uh, over $10 billion for um, workforce partnerships and, and apprenticeships. We're eager to make sure that community colleges are a big part of that. And the three of us, we're excited about that opportunity to not only make sure that it goes to support community colleges, but that we create a model of interdependency between Department of Labor, Department of Education and Commerce, so that states could also create an infrastructure to get the job done more efficiently and more effectively. So thank you for that question. That's something that I'm eager to get going with very soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sir? Yes, I'm Gabriel Buena, President of the Board, the Los Angeles Community College District. So in Los Angeles, we're about to consider a few billion dollars in student housing bonds. So I wanted to know, um, is the federal government potentially might match that or support that? Semicolon. Um, <laughs> Good use as, of grammar. Right. It's a new thought. <laughs> as, a, as a district, we're approximately 60% Central American, Mexican American, other Latino groups is the department potentially um, might support dual language teaching as a function to increase enrollment and workforce. Thank you. Love the way you're thinking, first of all, helping address the basic needs, housing, right? Um, we wanna make sure that we're very clear. We've had a lot of inquiries about flexibilities. Could the money be used for this? So I wanna make sure that we're accessible to you. That, that's my answer on the first one, to make sure that we can be accessible to promote innovative practices, which we know we need to get more students engaged. And um, with regard to your dual language uh, instruction, you know, it's funny, at the K-12 level, I'm pushing to make sure that we uh, push language uh, learning in a way that honors native language, right? First language, first culture. I love the idea of making sure we meet our students where they are, not only with housing, but where their linguistic needs are. I would definitely love to hear more about that and see how we can support programming that opens doors for more students. Thank you. Thank you. Ma'am. Hello, Irene Watts from Henry Ford College. Um, thank you, Secretary, for visiting us last year. And my daughter was not impressed with our selfie, and she rolled her eyes at us, so. <laughs> we'll have to get another one today. <laughs> yes, we do, just to make her now more embarrassed. Um, but beyond this week, 
and going to our legislators, what can we do the short term and long term to continue this conversation for free college? Because we have so many students who have been hearing about this, and then what? So what can we continue to do for that? Well, thank you. And, and you know, Henry Ford College was a great visit uh, in, in Michigan there. And, you know, there are so many places that I have the benefit of seeing what's happening across the country. And it's my responsibility, it's my job to make sure that we're lifting up best practices. We learn best from one another. And I know across this room here, there are so many innovative practices that if we just continue to lift best practices, we're going to get better as a country. Um, you, you know, I think that's an important point. Your question really brings up the role of leaders during the pandemic and post-pandemic. We can focus on the problem all day, and there's going to be a problem after. We're never going to punch out. We're never going to be done. But we often just breeze by some of the amazing things that are transformational that three years ago we would never consider. We must share the stories. We must engage our students. We must engage our families. We must talk about Ruth, who I met in Michigan on that visit, who wasn't thinking about college, ended up in the hospital during the pandemic and said, you know what, I want to go into the healthcare field. I'm going to look to see if I have Pell eligibility and I'm going to go back to college. This is someone that wasn't thinking about college. So as leaders, I, I ask you, what are you doing to control the narrative? What are you doing to be on offense? Because you know there are so many that, especially folks who did not vote for the ARP, whose constituents are benefiting from it, who are still talking that we don't need it, let's lift those stories. Let's talk about Ruth. Let's talk about Kasia. Let's bring them here with us. So I, I guess the summary of that response is our work has just started sharing the great work. Um, we don't often like to toot our own horn in education, and you're more focused on solving problems. But if we don't lift the stories of the students who are benefiting, the families who are benefiting, the economy that's getting better, then all we're going to hear is the negative. I need you to drown it out with positive. That's my message to you. Thank you. Perfect. So, um, our apologies, but uh, we know the secretary has a very busy schedule, so we have time for one more question. And based on how we're using, yes, ma'am, uh, with the mic, please, if you'd ask your question. Yes, hi, my name is Yvette Machado, and I'm a student senator at the College of Southern Nevada, a proud minority and Hispanic-serving institution. Um, first, I want to start off by saying gracias, Secretary Cardona, for representing our community and the others who share in our mission to claim our equity in this country. Um, as a daughter of immigrants and first-generation student myself, I'm honored to share the space with all of you. Um, my question is um, based on homeless students, so students facing um, like housing transitions. They're currently unable to apply for FAFSA, so they fall under the radar in receiving emergency services. Um, there's an entire community of vulnerable students that are unable to take the steps to apply for school because they, they don't have an address to attach to the FAFSA. Um, and currently, at least in Nevada, there are no initiatives for like PO box or, te or temporary addresses to push these students into a life-saving education. Um, and I wanted to know how can I begin the, begin the narrative that advocates for our homeless youth in their right to this life-changing education? Thank you for that. 
What's more powerful than a student advocating for students who are homeless in Washington, D.C. to the Secretary of Education? What's more powerful than that? We are so fortunate to be leading at this point in our country's history. So to you, what I would say is um, this is a critically important issue. Just this morning, my wife, who's a at-risk uh, college coordinator for a school district, shared with me that she was talking to a mother who's not going to fill out the FAFSA because she's afraid of putting the Social Security number down. This morning, it's real. We know that American Rescue Plan provided $100 million uh, to address homelessness in schools and, and issues around that. Um, we know with the mention of the uh, grant that I mentioned earlier, the uh, close to $200 million to address basic needs, that also includes the, the symptoms of homelessness and what that, what that means for applying for different things uh, at, at the institution, but even applying for schools. So while the resources matter, Listening and making sure that the Department of Education has its doors open to folks like you who represent or are sharing real-time stories of that what's happening now during the pandemic so that we can use our policy arm but also the bully pulpit to make sure that we're pushing for those best practices that bring those students back in. You know, we know you're dealing with enrollment declines because a lot of the students that you are serving were just making it before the pandemic and now they've fallen on really hard times. It's our responsibility to get those students, including those who are dealing with housing insecurity, food insecurity, uh, childcare insecurities, and bring them back in. So while we have done work with the uh, homelessness funds that were there, and we're doing more to put funding uh, for community colleges that serve those students uh, in greatest need, we want to continue to hear those stories, and we want to continue to advocate with you um, on behalf of those students. So there's a lot more to do. We need to hear from you, not only the, the challenges that you're having, but what you're doing, because our job would be to lift those best practices. We learn best from one another. Thank you for the question. I, again, I want to just leave, before I leave, by, by saying, um, yes, it's been a challenge, but you're in positions of leadership, your trustees, your student trustee members, at the most critical time in our country's education history, a time where we can hit reset on the things that didn't work, and we could really reimagine. And that's why I'm telling you, continue to fight for Universal Community College. It's just because it's one of those things that was taking out, taken out of the proposal doesn't mean it's not something that's good for our country. So as long as I'm secretary, I'm gonna fight for that. I'm gonna fight for you. I'm gonna listen to you, and I appreciate all you do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of In the Know, and thank you again to Secretary Cardona for taking the time to speak with us at the 2022 National Legislative Summit. If you have ideas for future episodes, please do not hesitate to get in touch with us. You can email me directly at jbray at We'll see you next week.